1: So Wednesday, we recap last night's action as Chelsea beat Leicester. Very important win for a Champions League spot and Leicester City's uh, destiny in the top four out of their hands. Now, Jimmy Conrad joins me to discuss Tuesday's action and preview Wednesday's action, including Liverpool's game away at Burnley, Coppa Italia and Coupe de France with Jonathan Johnson as well. Diego Lasso begins right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kigo Lasso, our Wednesday show. And we have here
2: Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy C., what's up, man? What's up, LME? I'm excited to be here because it's crunch time in all these leagues, specifically in the Premier League, Luis.
1: Absolutely. And what a great segue, Jimmy Conrad, because we begin in the Premier League. And we're going to talk about last night's action as Chelsea... Chelsea take care of business against Leicester City, just about. It was a little bit nervy at the end. It went 2-0 up, and then Eliancho got a goal, and then there was a little bit of handbags going on for a while. But Chelsea got the job done, which means they look good for a top-four spot. Leicester City, though out of their destiny now, because it all depends on Liverpool as well. So we're going to talk about that in a second, but Tottenham and West Ham are definitely out of Champions League contention. I mean, we kind of already thought that definitely of Tottenham, but you know, this was a big win for Chelsea. Jimmy, talk to me.
2: Yeah. Big win for them. I liked their initiative to get started. i like the starting lineup. You have Timo Werner, Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic as your front three. You've got three players that like to go at people. They like to drive the game. They don't like to sit back. They're looking to get in behind. If they pick it up, they're looking to run at you. I didn't think that Christian ultimately was as sharp in those areas that we usually see. But Timo Werner was active, you know. I mean, he got two goals called back. I mean, I just thought that they had that type of energy that that maybe they were missing a little bit in the FA Cup final. And then the first half, honestly, went 0-0 first half, Luis, and I thought, oh, man, you just gave Brendan Rodgers from Leicester 15 minutes to get his tactics right, and and they're going to figure out a way to somehow win this game when they shouldn't, because Leicester was just absorbing pressure. It honestly looked like the start of the game looked like the end of the FA Cup final where they're just holding yeah. up for dear life. <laughs> and and when Rudiger scored that set piece three minutes after halftime, then you could see Chelsea relax, and they started to play a little bit What more. a corner
1: from Ben Chilwell, huh? Yeah, I mean,
2: great yeah. corner and just and just – Chelsea deserved to win. That's really where I'm going. I was actually a little disappointed that Ihe Nacho didn't start. That Brendan Rodgers went with James Madison because Vardy needs somebody to play off of in some capacity, and Madison just drops a little bit deep. And Chelsea just had a ton of the ball. They had like 66 possess, 66% possession in the first half. 11 shots, even though two. Were, I just they were just setting the tempo, and I thought the the better team won. The better team deserved to win. And even though Iosie Perez had an absolute glorious chance he with did like two minutes from me. It doesn't look any better than that, Luis. Everybody, it's just like this, like say you're bombing forward and the ball's out wide and you're at the top of the box and you're like, oh, I just hope this ball comes to me perfect. And it comes to you perfect. The fact that he, that's what happened. And the fact that he didn't get it on frame and he hit it over is really unacceptable for yeah. a professional at that it, level. It's what that I was- said.
1: It's what I would tell my high school kids when I used to coach. Do the opposite of Fat Joe. Don't lean back. And <laughs> exactly. He back and it, it just did. went
2: over. <laughs> That's really funny. I'm gonna steal that. Yeah. So <laughs> no leaning back. But that said, I just thought Chelsea deserved to win. So so that would have been a little bit harsh. But let's take that Iozzi Perez, that that chance for a second. If I'm he home ties here. that, if it's two two. That, that chance could be the difference between them making 100 extra million dollars by getting into the Champions League. I'm, I, I don't know if it's that high, but it's probably close. And not getting it because now Liverpool have a chance. They, they control their own fate now because if they beat Burnley, they're tied on points, but they have a better goal difference. And, and they're actually in fourth. And so now Leicester is on the outside looking in. It's crazy. It's cra- absolutely crazy right now how much. And of course, you play out all the games. It always, never comes down to one particular chance. But for the narrative that we're trying to create here, Luis, that chance could be the difference between so much money for the club and them having to settle for the Europa League.
1: No, absolutely. And how important was that Allison goal for Liverpool now when you that think too. about it, right? Incredible. 100%. And also, I think the home, the fact that there's uh, fans in the stadium now, I think that was an extra push for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge that helped him out. But to your point, uh, you know, um, Chelsea now in third place with 67 points, Leicester City with 66. But Liverpool, who play today, have just to, you know, win. And sort of, and it's only a one goal difference, by the way. So, you know, like you said, Leicester City really have to now depend on other things to happen. And it's a shame, but, you know, they got their FA Cup win. Maybe that was the highlight of their season. I just want to keep going because we have a lot to talk about here, but also Tuesday's action included Manchester United, uh, a great goal from Edison Cavani, but it wasn't enough. Fulham got that draw as well, 1-0. Crazy on that one. Southampton losing 2-0 to Leeds United. Leeds United, Jimmy Conrad, Marcelo Bielsa gets his team, confirms a top half finish, regardless of what happens for the rest of the season. We've talked about this before. Genuine recognition for manager of the season here. 100%
2: and Leeds are now tied on points with Everton and Everton were getting a lot of hype and love throughout the season. I know they've tailed off here at the end. They're above Arsenal as well. Arsenal are currently in 10th, even though they've been playing pretty well in the league. And and, uh, it's just, it's, it's, I can't say enough about Marcel Bielsa and if Brendan Rodgers falls out of the top four and if David Moyes falls out of the top six with West Ham, I think Bielsa's case for being manager of the year becomes stronger. I mean, Pep obviously will be in the conversation because they won the league, but, but the other guys that we've been talking about a lot are now kind of dropping off when it matters the most. Now, obviously Brendan Rodgers wins the FA cup. That's a big deal, but that doesn't count for what happens in the premier league. So it's interesting. It's interesting if both of those fall out of those like kind of, those European spots that they were currently in. So there's a lot to play for and, and uh, very excited for Bielsa. I will say quickly about Man City, which you mentioned. Yep. mention, they lost three, two to Brighton. They did. Yep. They were up one zero and they got a red card in the 10th minute by Joao Cancelo. If you guys see it, I don't think it was a red. That felt really harsh.
1: Yeah. A that harsh said, last man. It, right? it was did.
2: really, it was harsh. It was pretty harsh. Cancelo could have done better, but it still felt harsh. Foden scores right after halftime. A great goal. Great goal. And then they give up three. I was, it's, it's, they've, <laughs> Listen, Man City have given up eight goals in the last three games. That gives me some cause for concern heading into their last two, which is the last regular season finale on Sunday, and then, and then of course the Champions League final. Yeah, they'll be they'll be fine, but I'm just saying that you still have to look at that a little bit. And then Man United, obviously they've got a big final via Real not too not too uh, near future, and and them giving up a goal to Fulham, come on, it's unacceptable. I will say though that the goal that Cavani did score. They said that Bruno Fernandes touched the ball, so he was onside. That guy did not touch the ball. And Bruno Fernandes even said it in the press conference afterwards. He didn't think he touched it either. (laughs) 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 But, but, But amazing goal, so I'm glad it stood.
1: Don't you just love it? You just absolutely love it. But yes, to your point, uh, Man City losing 3 uh, 2 against Brighton. Uh, maybe Pep Guardiola shouldn't have stayed too late singing uh, Don't Look Back and- <laughs> like
2: at that It. <laughs> love it. Uh,
1: all right, we're going to switch gears now, everybody, because we're going to talk about Wednesday's action, preview on Wednesday's action. I'm just going to give you a list of the games, and Jimmy will go where you want. Uh, Liverpool away at Burnley is obviously the biggest one in terms of. Champions League qualification for Jurgen Klopp and Co. Is that what you want to begin?
2: Yeah, let's just start there. I I just will get out some of the fun facts at this point. Burnley are winless in their last eight at home, Turf Moor, and they've lost each of their last three after a 4-0 defeat to Leeds. I mean, they just... It's interesting because Turf Moor used to be a fortress. Like, if you... Any clubs, Man City, United, whoever... We're going to turf more you knew you were in for it it was just going to be a long afternoon and they've just lost some of that 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 stigma uh that positive stigma that is around that being a tough place for teams to play i just think that burnley don't have anything to play for liverpool have everything to play for and i know that liverpool needed a goal by their goalkeeper to beat west brom another team that's been struggling this season to to kind of keep their hopes alive for a top four finish. And Liverpool actually Burnley does play Liverpool pretty pretty tight over the years.
1: Oh, where are you just, going with this, Jimmy? Where are you I'm going? I'm not going anywhere. I okay, Liverpool okay. is
2: going to win. I like Liverpool to win. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I like Liverpool to win to nil. I think they actually will lock things down defensively plus 120. I like Liverpool to win both halves. It's really important for them to score first, obviously, but but to score early. It's going to take some pressure off. And then they can kind of relax. and as the game opens up and as Burnley has to do something and stretch a little bit, I think they'll tag him for another one in the second half. I like a two zero one. But I'm also looking at Liverpool one zero up at half, exact scoreline plus two thirty. But Liverpool to win both houses plus one fifty. So these are the kind of things that I'm looking at. I like Liverpool to win this one. Burnley just I just haven't seen enough from them uh, and, and they give up a lot of goals right now. It's just been ugly for Burnley in a lot of different ways and I, I don't know how you're feeling about it, but
1: no, I agree. I think they're picturing their little drinks with a little umbrellas. I think they're ready to just take that vacation. Do you see Mohamed Salah as the first scorer? Maybe.
2: I could potentially see that, you know, Saudi Mane's due as well, but I've been saying Jamie Vardy has been due for, I don't know how long and he can't yeah. seem to find the back of the net in January though. Burnley did beat Liverpool 1-0. So there's that, and then then when they played um, in July of 2020, which obviously everything's still a little crazy at that point, that was a one-one draw. So even
1: January, I think, is a different scenario. Yeah, I think and there's, the, the,
2: the, a, there's the, a crowded the, schedule, right? And and Liv- this is a different Liverpool than, yeah. than, than than that version of it, and and obviously there's so much at stake. And here's my question for you and everybody listening. Do you think this would go down as one of Jurgen Klopp's greatest accomplishments if he ends up finishing top four, despite all the stuff that's going on with the team with injuries and obviously in the personal life of him and and Allison and probably other things that we're unaware of for other people? I I think it'd have to be up there. And if I hope somebody asks him that question, because I would really like to hear his genuine response to Mm. just getting top four and how important that would be. I I don't obviously I don't think he compared to winning the Premier League after 30 years with Liverpool and for them not to do it. And the champions, they get all that, but it's gotta be close. Cause this has been something special. If they could, they turned it around. I mean, the last couple of months have been pretty, pretty remarkable for them from a domestic standpoint.
1: If I was a gambling man, I would say that he would say, uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he was ever asked that question. And he said, honestly, it's bigger because of just everything that happened. Obviously it's not bigger than winning the premier league, but to your point, all the things that have happened to Liverpool this season, tremendous beginning with a Virgil van Dijk injury, you know, then more injuries, Joel Matip and Gomes. Like it's just, it's just been insane. Absolutely insane. So you have to, and the fact that Alisson's scoring as well, is just ridiculous. I mean, this game of ours really never ceases to surprise us. And I will go with that 2 nothing for Liverpool uh, for the sake of my fantasy, because I'm so behind first place just by a little bit. I want Mohamed Salah to get those goals. Uh, I captained him, so I really want it to happen. But I, I will go with a 2 nothing Liverpool. Uh, I think that's a good bet. And maybe Mohamed Salah to score first.
2: Okay, Mohamed Salah to score first is plus 225. And that 2-0 exact scoreline is the favorite scoreline on William Hill, plus 650. So I, I went with one zero 0 exact scoreline, first half only, uh, plus 230. And I, I do like Liverpool to win both halves. I just think they're really going to put a lot of pressure. I, I get the sense, if you guys watched the Leicester-Chelsea game, it's going to look a lot like that, like super one-sided. Chelsea, it's just a matter of li- whether Liverpool can finish. I think they've been a little snake bit this season, not taking their opportunities, and that's why they even find themselves in this position, just fighting for the top four. But they must be absolutely loving life that it's all kind of fell into their hands at this point, and they have to beat Burnley away, who haven't been good, like we mentioned, and then Crystal Palace on the last day at home. But Anfield has been a struggle for them; they haven't necessarily killed it at Anfield. However, with fans coming back in, maybe that'll be the difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Roy Hodgson's last game for Crystal Palace as well yeah, yeah. as he leaves, a lot to discuss. All right, other games by the way: Everton host Wolves, Newcastle okay. host Sheffield United. Tottenham uh, against Aston Villa, Crystal Palace against Arsenal, West Brom against West Ham. Where do you want to go?
2: Really the only one I have a a ton of interest in. Obviously, I want to see how West Ham perform because they're still in the conversation, the tie with Tottenham on points. Uh, Everton, you know, they're still hanging around. They got that outside, outside chance, maybe for a conference league. Uh, spot, which is the third tier now of European football moving forward. <laughs> I really like Tottenham Aston Villa. And I say this because not only because Tottenham has to play Leicester on the last day of the season, which could be immense in its own way, <laughs> just with Harry Kane and that being leaked at that point of the season with two games left to go, I like think I can understand why Daniel Levy in the front office for Spurs are pissed that that got leaked. I mean, it, there's already been enough stories around it, but for that to drop of this magnitude at this point in the season, is interesting timing, and whoever made that decision, I don't know. So I'm kind of curious to see how his how he responds to that news being out there while while there's now pressure on it. The spotlight is as heavy and as hot as it's been, and, and how his teammates and coach respond to him. He's good friends with Ryan Mason. He's known Ryan Mason for I don't know how many years, and he kind of undermined Ryan Mason here. So it's interesting to see how that's going to go. I do think that Harry Kane's going to perform well. Obviously, he's trying to get out of the club. He still wants to perform well and I don't think it will be a drop-off. I think he's a top pro, but it could be a distraction. It's the only thing I want to say. And you know this, with regard to Villa, they've only won one win in their last seven. They've lost their last six against Spurs. Uh, Ryan Mason has every has won every game at home as an interim manager, and obviously Spurs are trying to solidify their top six And games. they have fans back as well. Fans back. And I mean, also, there's another, like, I love all the little narratives that we can find because it does add a lot of intrigue and, and weight to the whole situation of course it does but yeah. but spurs spurs need to finish at very at the very least of the top 6 they're trying to attract a manager to come take them yeah who's who what manager is going to take over that wants a project where at least they don't have a little taste of of europe you know so i don't know if they'd get as big of a name so i, I don't know i think there's a lot of stuff here and i love it i love like digging in and finding these stories because i think there's a lot of meat there
1: 100%. I mean, the and Villa game, of, for obvious reasons, is, is the one that I'm looking at. But I think Harry Kane's going to be up for this one because he's going to be like, look, I don't care what's coming out of the news. I'm Harry Kane. So it's a little bit worrying for my Aston Villa. I think Tyron Minx is going to come back. Jack Rilish won't start. I think uh, Dean Smith was very hesitant about, uh, he only played 18 minutes against Everton. He played about 28 minutes against Crystal Palace. There's no way he's starting. There is still talent, but I I don't think he's going to start. So I don't know. It's going to be tricky. And by the way, Tottenham is our bogey team, Uh, Manchester United, Tottenham. We have a few bogey teams. Tottenham is one of them.
2: Do you think Grealish is being rested for Euros purposes that do you think he's doing him a solid?
1: I think, I think that's part of it kind of like the Marcelo Bielsa path, right? With some of his players. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dean Smith has talked before about how he cares about the players, a human being. And he wants to make sure that even though he may be 60%, 70%, that's not good enough for Dean Smith. He wants to make sure that he's ready to go in both ways. And also because Jack, for Jack, obviously the Euros is very important. He wants to take his time and ease it down. So I think that he'll get more minutes in this game right? Probably 35, maybe even come at halftime, depending on how the game goes, and then possibly start at home to Chelsea in the final game in front of the fans, etc. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I Yeah, mean,
2: it's you know. interesting. Well, my bets are all kind of leaning towards Harry Kane showing up as well. I'm going to give you guys a couple tiers to look at and you can decide at home what you're feeling. Spurs to win, both teams to score plus 170. And I guess before I make that bet, I kind of wanted to hear from you, Elmy, about whether you think Villa will actually score in this game? But Tottenham are pretty leaky defensively, so...
1: I think we will score. I don't think okay. we'll win. I want us to win. I believe in my heart that we will, but if they're our bogey team. I'm hoping for a draw. I think we will score. I think Ollie Watkins okay. wants to get that goal back. I think he's still very angry about that suspension he got due to, like, the, you know, the you know fake uh, dive or whatever. I mean, you know, he was clearly just getting trying to get out the way. So I think Ollie Watkins has a point to prove. Maybe Bertrand Troyer will get a goal, but... I don't know. I, it's so, very it's very difficult to be Tottenham from a Villa standpoint.
2: Yeah. So so keeping that in mind, and I appreciate that insight because it makes me feel more confident about advising everybody to consider these Spurs to win, both teams to score plus one seventy. Okay, and then if you want to take level it up a little bit, Harry Kane to score, Spurs to win, both teams to score plus two ninety.
1: That seems very.
2: It, it's not reasonable. bad. Here's another one though. Harry Kane, because of the value is better, Harry Kane to score and Spurs to win 2 0, 2 1, or 3 1 plus 400.
1: Yeah. That's I don't know. very good.
2: <laughs> it's not bad. I, I actually like that one a lot because I think Kane will score. And I could see it. I could see a 2 1. And if, if Aston Villa is sputtering a little bit, you know, maybe, you know, and they try to break to go forward, they bring Grealish on and they're trying to kind of push back in the game. They could get stung the other way. Watch
1: so, out for. Uh... Whoever plays on the left wing of Tottenham, by the way, because if Maddie Cash is not available for this one, Ahmed El-Mohammadi is a very loyal servant to Villa, but he's not as young anymore. He's not as quick. So maybe human son might have more of a point here than, than Harry Kane, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm talking a lot about Tottenham, not enough about Villa. I'm trying to be as neutral as possible. But- <laughs> You know, we, you know, uh, we
2: we can we can feel your love come out. <laughs> you can't even help yourself. But yeah, both, that's, it. Both that's teams the biggest will score though.
1: Both teams will score, though, I think. That's okay, what I okay.
2: think. Yeah, and then the rest of the games, obviously, I'm keeping an eye on, but that one just felt like it had the most sauce and yep. juice, if only for because sure. of the Harry Kane news.
1: Yep, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Palace does against Arsenal. Uh, Roy Hodgson's send-off uh, at Selhurst Park, so that, that could be interesting. But those are the games, one, by the really way... Really quick, really yeah, quick. Yeah.
2: I heard... I don't know if I'm breaking news here. We, I leave that to Fabrizio Romano. But <laughs> uh, Frank Lampard to Crystal Palace. Yeah, I you heard didn't, that rumor. You
1: didn't break news. Yet,
2: break yeah, news. I figured I didn't. But I wanted to get your thoughts on whether you think that would be a good move for Frank Lampard actually, and, and Crystal Palace.
1: I actually think it would be a good move. For, I think Palace, is Palace for a, at least from a fan perspective, they've been in dire need of a little bit of spark, right? And by the way, Roy Hodgson has worked his butt off to try, you know, after De Boer, you know, left, <laughs> they lost three games in a row. Roy Hodgson came in, they lost the next four. So they lost the first seven games and he made them 11th at the end of that season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with very little, literally Wilfred Saha, and that's it, right? I think that Frank Lampard, this is a good gamble for Frank Lampard if he takes it. I, that's what I think. I think he needs to get down and dirty and go back to his. Roots. I mean, he used to play for West Ham before Chelsea. He knows all about, you know, the London culture of football. I, I just feel like, you know, going back to a team that's Crystal Palace is trying to have a different objective than like Champions League or, or winning it. I think that could be a good gamble, whether it happens or not. We'll see. But, you know, what do you
2: think? No, I, I, I looked at Gasparini. Gian Piero mean. and we're going to talk about him a little bit later because he's in the Coppa Italia final with Atalanta against Juve. What I love about his journey, I'm going to use him as an example, is that he started with the U14s of Juve when he finished as a player. Like that's yeah. where he started to coach. And then he went he had that for a couple of years and he moved his way up and he just he he didn't skip any steps. And I think Frank Lampard did himself a disservice. I think Andrea Pirlo to use his counterpart <laughs> even in his final, more <laughs> even more so It's so important. Like Gasparini, because of his youth experience, can now, when a younger player comes up, and we see a lot of talented younger players play for Atalanta, he can speak to them in a meaningful way because he has that experience. He he knows what makes them tick in a way that maybe Frank Lampard can't remember when he was that player or whatever it may be. So so I think Crystal Palace is a nice spot for him. I don't know how the West Ham fans are going to feel about it since he was one of theirs for a little while, and Chelsea as well, and now he's like this with this other London club. But I do think it's a nice spot for him to not be under the spotlight so much and yeah. allow him to kind of grow as a manager. So I like the move a lot and I'm curious to see how he does. And if he takes it.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I totally agree. Um, all right. So we're going to come back with Jonathan Johnson. We're going to talk Coupe de France and Coppa Italia. But before we do that, Jimmy, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I mean, Pachuca's playing Cruz Azul later t- like today.
2: <laughs> no, no. I know there's a lot of Copa Libertadores stuff going on and, uh, the one that I had my eye on was, uh, geez, I forgot. I had it all queued up. But I just wanted to say, with regard to Copa Libertadores, it is the Champions League of South America. It is an incredibly great competition. And I think that people should tune into it if they can. Absolutely. Plenty of action. Yeah, but I, like, I was so immersed in, in Premier League, I was not ready for the pivot. <laughs> a
1: I know. Of I threw something out of left field. It's, it's, all right.
2: it's all right. It's all good.
1: Hey, but listen, but when we come back, Jonathan Johnson, and we'll talk the rest of Europe, including Coupe de France and Coppa Italia. Que golazo! We'll be right back.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Everybody, welcome back to Kegolazo, our Wednesday show, and we welcome Jonathan Johnson, JJ, live from his brand new office. JJ, what's up, man?
3: Yeah, not much, man. Well, obviously, apart from uh, the the change of uh, background in the in the new place now, so very happy about that.
1: Well, very happy to have you. Jimmy, happy too.
3: We're going to talk- Jimmy's always happy, man. I'm always happy. Look at this. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. (laughs) Like when you look in the dictionary for shit-eating Grin, it's a picture of Jimmy.
2: <laughs> I can't confirm or deny any of these rumors at this time, JJ.
3: Yeah,
1: that's very true. The son of Sam could be our guest right now, and Jimmy would be like, hey, welcome. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Uh, our Wednesday preview. And JJ, we wanted to bring in, because now that we've talked about the Premier League, I wanted to switch gears for the rest of Europe. And of course, uh, plenty of games in Europe to look ahead to on Wednesday, including Coppa Italia, of course, and Coupe de France, the second leg, to see who wins in that one. But I wanted to begin, JJ, uh, with, uh, Karim Benzema back in the squad for Le Bleu. I love this. And guess what? France's stock at the Euros just went up like a lot. JJ, talk to me about this. How do you feel about it? Etc. Etc.
3: Yeah. Back in blue. And, uh, this is definitely something that I wasn't expecting around about a week ago. Uh, you know, they Periodically, since Benzema last played for France back in 2015, there has been speculation about whether he might ever come back. Uh, you know, the the door always seems to have been quite firmly closed up until now. Now, how do I feel about it? As the, in terms of a player, Karim Benzema is absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think there are many better out there than him at this moment in time. Certainly not based on his performances this season. And in terms of French attackers or attackers eligible to play for France, you know he's up there. He's at the top of the list in terms of the best performers. Uh, you know, and I think that this gives France a huge boost uh, with regards to the Euros. Now, depending on how it pans out, I think you know it's 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 debatable at the at this moment in time whether it's the right call or not because Didier Deschamps is risking a lot by changing his stance uh, on this. Uh, you know, and I think it has the potential to pay off greatly for him. Uh, you know, if France win win the Euros uh, and he's recalled Benzema and Benzema plays a key role, he's going to look like a genius. But if France don't uh, win the Euros, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions asked about whether Deschamps has undermined himself uh, in bringing Benzema back. Uh, you know, and this has the potential, uh, you know, to potentially derail uh, all of the the progress that that he's made, you know, France are world champions at this moment in time, and the hope is that they'll be able to add the European crown to that world crown. But uh, you know, the, the the knives will be sharpened now because of this decision. I mean, it there, it was always going to be uh, a tricky scenario for Deschamps coming into this competition, especially when you're leaving out somebody of Karim Benzema's caliber. So. Assuming that, you know, Benzema does make the final cut of the squad, which you'd assume the fact that he's already there, he, he is going to be going to the Euros. Uh, you know, it's now going to be really interesting to see how he gets reintegrated because, you know, a lot has changed since Benzema last, ch- last played for France. Uh, a lot of players have come and gone, uh, but obviously there are certain individuals still in that group who might feel that Benzema's return uh, was not the right call. But I think, if you're basing this decision solely on, on playing merit, Benzema has to be there.
1: Yeah, 100%. Jimmy, talk to me about this. How do you feel about Karim Benzema back with Le Bleu?
2: I just think that his display this season in particular, 29 goals and eight assists in all competitions, makes it undeniable that you have to bring him in. I mean, if you're comparing him to Olivier Giroud, and I know Benzema likes to compare himself to Olivier Giroud and the fact that Olivier Giroud is a go-kart and Karim Benzema is a F1 race car, which I think is hilarious. I, I just think he's taken a lot of shots at this point at either DeChamp or, or some of the other players on the team, or even if those players don't get involved, you know, they're probably friends with players that do and are on, on part of the core that said, like his stats are so good. If you don't play him or if you don't take him and, and the team doesn't do well, I, I don't think Deschamp, I don't know. I want to hear from JJ, but I don't think he can win as a manager. If, if he doesn't take Benzema and they don't do well, everybody's going to call for his head because he didn't bring Benzema. And then if he brings Benzema, they don't do well. Like, why did you bring Benzema? So I actually feel for Deschamps here a little bit. I will say, though, with him and the team, it takes a lot of pressure off of Griezmann and Mbappe to have to be the potential number nine. Those guys can run off of Benzema's shoulders. And imagine Benzema, with all due respect to Asensio and, and Vinicius and Rodrigo and Eden Hazard at Real Madrid, when he's looking around, playing for France and he's got Mbappe on one side and Griezmann on the other, that's going to make his job a lot easier and ultimately will make their jobs a lot easier. So I like this addition a lot. I think his, uh, despite his mentality, if he comes in with the right attitude and I think being shunned for five years should hopefully give you some slice of humility. I don't know. I don't know Benzema enough to know how much humility he actually has, but he's played well enough to warrant this. And I think it's a good inclusion because it gives France so many different looks and obviously he's playing extremely well right now. Maybe one of the best number nines in the world, if not the best.
1: Yeah, well, 22 goals in La Liga. And to your point, uh, now that he has Kylian Mbappé on one side, Antoine Griezmann on the other one, I mean, listen, I'm just a neutral here, but I love this. And yes, <laughs> I, I agree. The definitely is going for a little bit of a gamble here, but it's not, come on, everybody. Let's remember, I, I'm sure that they've had conversations before this decision and they've probably maybe... You know, cemented what's happened in the past. But, you know, granted, the drama does come with it. But what if this is a win and France suddenly now become the most dangerous team in the Euros, JJ?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I do think that that is a, a major possibility. Like Jimmy said, it depends a lot on Benzema's attitude, what sort of mental, mental mindset he brings to this camp. But, you know, if if he does bring a bit of humility, uh, does look to just keep his head down and, and show what he can do on the pitch, then, you know, that is a massive boon for France, because one of the big concerns uh, about the French side coming into this Euro. Aside from the fact that they've been very sloppy, very sluggish over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, uh, and there's question marks about their strength, uh, notably in the fullback positions. There's also the big concern about the fact that there's no real out-and-out striker who's, you know, in form in front of goal at this moment in time. Yes, Kylian Mbappe, uh, you know, is on a rich vein of goal-scoring form, but he's not played as an out-and-out striker for France. And it's a lot of responsibility for him to put him in that role with no sort of backup. Giroud, who, as much as he's served Deschamps very, very well over the years, you know, he's barely playing at this moment in time. You know, to ask him to be ready to lead the line, uh, you know, over a a tournament like the Euros, especially when there's an expectation that France will win the title and and go on to add that to their world crown, you know, that's a lot to, to have to deal with. And I think that, you know, Benzema has played his way back into contention. He's just too good at this moment in time to to rule out. And it's not just the goal scoring. uh, You know, it's the goals that he's laid on as well. You know, he's nearly into double digits for assists in La Liga this season. And that just goes to show, you know, how much he'd be able to add to this team. Because it wouldn't just be him putting the ball in the back of the net. It's him bringing others into play, as Jimmy's mentioned, you know, Griezmann and Mbappe. You know, and it gives France another option uh, up front. I'm not sure how this is going to work out for France long term, because I don't know how much Benzema has left to left to give. But if this works out well in the Euros, France are very well set to defend their world crown next year as well.
1: Yep. Well, I have three other teams of Euros, Jimmy. I know that you want to chime in. I have three other teams in Euros, England, Belgium, Italy, and now France, I think as well. Jimmy, what do you think?
2: Wow! Show some respect to Portugal. That's where I'm gonna. I know. To
1: yeah, I'm I I
2: gonna. They're so deep. In that so group, areas. though,
1: France, Germany, and Portugal in the same group, right? Oof.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, it's nice. It's tasty. I'm here for it. I look forward to the Euros. I did want to say though, I liken Benzema coming back into the France team very similar to what Sweden did with Zlatan. Now Zlatan got hurt, but you're bringing back somebody that has a lot of experience elevates the games of people around them, assuming as we've mentioned a couple of times, if they have the right attitude and mindset when they walk in between the doors and put the Jersey on. And if that's the case, and I think, you know, both of those players, and I know again, Zlatan's out, but if Benzema can come in and, and really kind of set the tone and say, Hey, I'm here for the, the for the group. It's not about me. It's about the group. Then I think he'll, he'll fall back in pretty easily. And I'm sure, I'm sure there were some players before that felt like, Hey, we should, we maybe before the world cup, the one that they won, like Benzema, should, sh- he should be here with us. You know, he's that, he's that good. And maybe some are like, okay, welcome welcoming him back because of the talent that he provides. So I don't know. I've been on a number of teams. When you have a talented player that might may or may not have an attitude problem, you can tolerate so much, but you can also, you can definitely tolerate it when they're scoring goals and helping the team win. And uh, hopefully, I mean, that's ultimately the plan from Deschamps. So we'll see if that works out.
1: Well, more to come from Karim Benzema later on in the week as we preview La Liga and the final weekend as Real Madrid hope to do something as Atletico lead, but that will be for later. We wanted to have JJ here as well, because obviously Wednesday also means Coupe de France. Coupe de France, PSG, big week for PSG, JJ, uh, as they hope to maybe do the double. We'll see what happens there. But What can you tell me about Coupe de France, the latest there in, in that game?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think this is definitely the final um, that people will have wanted to see. A very informed Monaco side going up against a vulnerable PSG, you know, who might or might not be crowned champions come the weekend. I mean, there's so much uh, in play at this moment in time. And we saw over the weekend... PSG managed to close the gap on Lille 1 last time uh, with a comfortable win over Reims, which was aided heavily by a very dodgy piece of refereeing early in the match. (laughs) Uh, And then you've got Monaco who keep turning the screw behind. Lille feeling the pressure, not being able to win at home yet again. Uh, And, you know, it's set it up really nicely for these next couple of days because PSG, if they don't win this cup final, which is a very big possibility, they've lost both times to Monaco so far this season you know, they they are looking down the barrel at a at a, tr- at a trophyless season. I mean, depends on whether you consider the Trophy de Champion worthy of of being listed as one of the pieces of silverware. It's generally considered in France. I don't particularly pay too much attention to it. But in any case, this would be a major failure for PSG to have a trophyless season. Uh, and when you look at the way the weekend is set up, if Lille win, it's as simple as that. They're champions. They'll finish at best, uh, a a point behind little PSG if they manage to win. So, you know, I don't think PSG have any other option but to win this game. They've been looking into the uh, overturning of the suspension for Neymar and Presnel Kimpembe. We'll see what decision uh, comes uh, out of that process. But it's, you know, it's a huge couple of days for PSG because it will shape the way that their summer, uh, you know, goes uh, depending on how many trophies, if any, uh, they manage to pick up over these next couple of days. Yeah, and let's not forget about Monaco, by the way. Niko Kovac in his first
1: season as manager as well. And as you said, has uh, gotten the best out of PSG in this game. Jimmy, what do you think of this one? Uh, Can PSG get it done? Obviously, it seems like a silly question, but, you know, not that unrealistic.
2: No, 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 it's not. I would say, though, that Monaco... Aren't the favorites, by the way. We'll get into the William Hill odds on this one in a second. But Monaco did beat PSG twice, once in Paris 2-0. And then once they were down 2-0 in Monaco and came back and scored three goals. That was a really exciting game back in November. Now, what I think is interesting is they beat this PSG when Tuchel was in charge, and they also beat this PSG when Pochettino was in charge. So they kind of got them figured out. And fair play to Nico Kovac, who's done excellent since leaving Bayern Munich to join Monaco and really making them a contender. I mean, that's a big piece of conversation, and I'd like to hear from JJ as to who he thinks will be manager of the year. I guess if Leo ends up winning it, then it'll go to, to them. But, but if Monaco can... If Lille doesn't, PSG wins it, and and I don't know. There's just something to to be said for Niko Kovac. He, though, by the way, won the DFB-Pokal for Eintracht Frankfurt, and he won it with Bayern, so he knows how to win cup competitions. And given the fact that they have won two games this season against PSG, I kind of like them a lot, but William Hill thinks otherwise. They think it's going to be PSG all day, every day. Now, to give everybody some context, uh, PSG have won the Coup de France 13 times. That's the most in history. Marseille are second with 10. I support Marseille, I just want to throw that in there. Uh, Monaco have not won since 1991. So it's been a while. And the last time they were in a final, which is crazy that they've won it five times. The last time was in 91. They've only been to the final once since then. And that was in 2010 and they lost to PSG. So they've been waiting a long time to get this revenge, but this could be it everybody. Monaco though have won 10 out of the last 11. I, I, I think they're in great form right now. PSG a little bit more unpredictable. And I want to get some confirmation from JJ before I gave any lines about this game as to who's actually healthy for PSG because uh, Neymar, Kimpembe, uh, I'm hearing Julian Draxler, Kersawa, Verratti are all out. Is that is that correct? Yeah, Verratti's
3: out. I mean, Verratti is obviously a blow, not just for PSG, but for Italy. He's facing four to six weeks out, wow. so may well even miss some of the group stage for for, for the Azzurri. Uh, in terms of the, the injuries, yeah, Draxler picked up an injury in the in the victory over Reims. Uh, and then you've got Neymar and Kimpembe, who might, might not be suspended. Uh, obviously, Mbappe is fit and in form, uh, played a, a, what- a key role in that win over Montpellier to get them to the final last week.
2: What about Adrisa Gay and uh, Abdou Diallo? Uh
3: they had uh they had they had a, a tummy bug over the weekend. I, <laughs> <tummy> um, <laughs> I, 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 I
2: love, that. I well, love it, that.
3: It was it was really bizarre being at the stadium having them on the team sheet on the bench and then having them drop off just before kickoff was was very bizarre. But uh we were told it was digestion issues so in theory they should be back but we'll have to wait for for the confirmation for, from Pochettino on that one.
1: Digestion issues is always a fun one for me. Uh, Jimmy, all right, give me some good betting lines then. I know that you said that PSG is obviously favored at William Hill, but what, what would you go for here?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. So just everybody knows the baselines. PSG to win is minus 119, and Monaco to win is plus 320. And I just thought those lines were pretty, pretty stark in contrast, given the fact that PSG are missing so many people, and Monaco have yet to lose to PSG this season. Uh, and then the draw after 90 minutes is plus 260. I could see it potentially going to that. I think Mbappe's going to be up for it. Pochettino's job might be on the line. That'd be the next piece of conversation here about that. If you want to stay away from the results, I do like PSG, or uh, the first goal score for PSG is killing Mbappe plus 170. And then to score any time, I like Ben Yetter a lot. Uh, with some Ben Yedder plus 175. He's got 20 goals and 7 assists this season. He's been a revelation. I mean, we always knew he was good, but I think he's really stepped it up this season in particular. And then his strike partner, Kevin Volland, also has been very good since coming over for Meyer Leverkusen. Uh, ben Yedder, though, has two goals in three Coup de France games this season. If they're going to hit the back of the net, I think he's a big reason why plus 175 is good action there. With regard to, I think both teams are going to score, so you can kind of go there, but it might be safer given. I kind of like Monaco to win straight up, by the way. Um, but But you could argue with me to maybe make it a draw after 90 and then and then see what happens. I that's just think where like, I was leading. Yeah, I feel okay. like it would plus, be a back and forth. Yeah, plus, plus 260 is good value.
1: Yeah, I feel like it would be a back and forth 90 minutes. Both teams will score. I like Ben Yedder and Mbappé to score as well. And then the decision really, ultimately, the conclusion comes in extra time. What do you think, JJ?
3: Well, we saw that scenario play out when PSG beat Montpellier to get to the semifinals, uh, to, sorry, to get to the final. Just bear in mind, there is no extra time. In, uh, the oh, straight to straight, straight to penalties penalties all That's right.
2: Drama. Even yeah. better. Yeah. Oh, that's what even better. That's what
3: happened. <laughs> that's what happened in the semis, and PSG just about managed to scrape it. In fact, it was a perfect penalty shootout up until Junior Sambia blazed over. It was five five penalties all. Oh, uh, it was an absolute clinic. So, no, I, I you know I think you you both you both have a good point. I I struggle to see. PSG losing three times to the same opponent in the same season,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, and
3: I think for that reason alone, they'll be motivated uh, to try and get this one over the line. Especially for a, somebody like Mbappe, the chance to win the Coupe de France against his former club, you know, I think that potentially has the danger for from from Monaco' point of view uh, to, to to push PSG towards the victory. In terms of Pochettino's job being on the line, I don't. It's not my understanding that he, you know he could. Uh, find himself out of a job if PSG don't have any trophies by the end of the season. There's a realization within the club that a lot of PSG's struggles in terms of their results uh, this season were not down to him. Oh, obviously, there's massive disappointment about the way that the Champions League runners ended, but uh, you know there is still confidence that they will still be able to win uh, the Ligue 1 title and the Coupe de France title, and particularly uh, the Coupe de France, given that You know They know what they need to do, and if they win uh, over 90 minutes or after penalties against Monaco, they'll be crowned champions. With Ligue 1, it's not quite in their hands. We'll have to wait and see what happens with Lille, but it's not my understanding that Pochettino will find himself uh, out of a job. In answer to your earlier question, just to make sure we get all of these uh, topics covered, (laughs) Coach of the Year, there's so many candidates in France. There's been some very, very impressive performances over the course of the season. Uh, you know, I think Kovac is definitely up there. But the one thing that I would say about Monaco is that you're only as good as your sporting director uh, at that club. It, it's always extremely important for the project uh, when you've got somebody, you know, with the the, the capable set of hands shaping uh, the the squad. And I think Paul Mitchell's done an absolutely fantastic job and deserves as much credit as Kovac. For me, it's. Assuming that Lille do, win, do go on and win the title, it's hard to see past Galtier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I do think that there are other deserving candidates as well. You look at how Lance have done, uh, newly promoted under Franck is. It looks like they're going to fall short of qualifying for Europe, which is a shame. But up until now, uh, you know, they've also done fantastically. So I think, you know, th- those three will be my my picks for, for, for the best coaching candidates. But I think if Lille win it, it'll be Galtier.
1: All right. Let's very, we got Coppa Italia to go. So let's very quickly, give me your initial uh, reaction on on the on the cup. Give me a score. What, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, JJ, I'll throw it back to you and then I'll end it with Jimmy. What do you think is going to happen?
3: All right. You know what? It's funny. I think I might've re- mentioned this recently, but I've never seen a competitive penalty shootout in, uh, in, in live. So I'm going to say 2-2 and PSG to win on penalties. I like kind that. of ho- kind of hoping that I actually get to witness a competitive penalty shootout. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Jimmy Conrad, okay.
2: yeah. I think if you guys at home are leaning towards PSG and they're going to do the business for all the reasons that we've discussed, then I would go. The best value is to have both teams score, which I think will happen, and PSG to win is plus two thirty. So I'm just going to throw that out there. I think it's going to be a draw. For me, it's safer to to just call it a draw plus two sixty. I don't think it's going to be zero zero, but on the off chance that it is, you have that covered. Cause when you have both teams to score in the draw, it's only plus 320. It's not, is it worth that much to lose the zero zero? So it's up to you to decide how you want to go there. But I agree with with JJ. I think it's going to go to penalties and then it's a coin flip. I I it would be cool to see Nico Kovac do something um and see pochettino sweat a little bit but i just think that's going to force psg to actually look at their roster in a more meaningful way because i just don't know if they're as balanced as they need to be especially in the back line i mean i like some of their players but they they could upgrade in some areas for sure all right
1: so you see a draw penalties but monaco winning yep all righty well i'm gonna go with the draw penalties psg to win it we'll see what happens But, you know, we will see. It's a conflict once it gets to PK, so you never know what could happen. But uh, let's hope that it goes to that so JJ can have a nice evening as well. All right, (laughs) let's talk Coppa Italia. Atalanta against Juventus 1 team. Feeling good. Champions League status no matter what. The other one still has to really work a lot. Of course, Andrea Pirlo's job on the line. This, though, could maybe sue things uh in turin what do you have for me jimmy conrad atalanta against juventus a real tasty matchup here
2: it's really tasty i'll give everybody some context and a bit of a refresher atalanta beat napoli in the semifinals 3-1 over two legs uh juve defeated inter milan 2-1 in leg one they won 2-1 and then held on 0-0 in turin in leg two atalanta are unbeaten against juve since 2019 take that into consideration However, the only major trophy in Atalanta's history is winning the Copa Italia in 1963. Woo. But they got to the final two years ago, whereas with Juve, they have won this trophy 13 times, with the last time being in 2018, the season before Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo showed up. Interesting that they can't win trophies outside of the Scudetto when this guy <laughs> shows up. Now, Atalanta are on the cusp of their highest ever finish in Serie A, if they can hang on to second. They have finished third the last two seasons and continue to really play at a high level under manager Giampiero Gasparini, who is awesome. And what I wanted to bring up is that it's even more impressive when you look at their budgets and how much they spend on players. So Atalanta spent $43 million on wages this season for this particular team. The highest paid player is Ilicic at $1.6 million. Juve, their opponent, spent... 236 million on their player wages the highest player being Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo 31 million and Atalanta are the favorites to win it. I mean that's that's remarkable what Gasparini has done and what I'm sure the sporting director and the whole club has done. They they, they have a big emphasis on their youth academy. They're rated I think the 7th or 8th best youth academy in all of Europe behind Barcelona and PSG and Real Madrid and 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 who else Lyon and Rennes and Valencia. I mean they just have so many players that come from our academy that end up playing in the top five leagues in Europe. It's very, very impressive. So shout out to Atalanta for so many different ways. They are a truly an Cinderella story. So I would like them to win this, and I love Andrea Pirlo. He's our Lord and Savior, of course, or at least mine. And uh, I think he's going to be done. I don't even I don't even know if it matters if he wins this or not. It would help, of course, but I don't know if uh, it's going to matter. I actually think, and I want you guys' thoughts on this as we kind of transition to a little Madrid talk, but I think Zinedine Zidane's leaving Madrid to go to Juve. I wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on that.
1: No, absolutely. It's it's interesting. By the way, all that Atalanta talk and without Papu Gomez, who left halfway through the yeah. season, which is really amazing. JJ, thoughts on this game and, of course, as well on the manager uh, narrative that's going out of
3: Juventus. So much to unpack, guys. Uh, you know what? There's, there's also one really, really intriguing subplot going into this week's Italian matches. And that's Atalanta and Juve are meeting in the Coppa Italia final. Yet on the final day of the season, Atalanta coming up uh, against AC Milan with the possibility of keeping Juventus out of Champions League football after all of the talk from Agnelli uh you know about Atalanta whether they're worthy of playing in the Champions League Atalanta could beat them to domestic silverware and then a few days later get them out of Europe as well the only <laughs> thing I love I mean, it. The, the only the only the only thing that that will be kind of a big galling for me is is if that happens it may well come at the expense of AC Milan but You know, it's kind of a price that I'm willing to pay. I think (laughs) just just to see, you know, the whole the whole situation come about. Uh, you know, I really come back to bite uh, and after the the Super League thing, but no, I'm really really excited about the, the the this Cup final, and I really hope that Atalanta can get it done because, like Jimmy, you know, it's a project that I really admire, really really enjoy watching. Uh, you know, when when I get a chance to tune into it, can't wait to have them uh, on CBS from next season. It's going to be mm-hmm. fantastic with Celia arriving. Uh, and I really hope that Atalanta can continue to build like this because it's such a well-run project, deserves all the praise that it gets. Uh, you know, and the fact that they're, you know, considering where they were a couple of months ago, and they're now on the verge uh, of bettering last season. Uh, you know, it's, it's just phenomenal. You know, massive kudos to to Gasparini and all the guys there. And you know, I I would love to 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 see them have as much success as possible this season, particularly as it will come at the expense of somebody who doesn't value what what they've managed to achieve.
2: Well, I yeah, wanted, the, the, yeah. yeah go say, ahead. I just want to jump in really quick and say, all I heard in all those words that JJ just said is, JJ wants to stick it to the Super League teams. That's all I heard. No,
1: but that's actually where I was going. They're, they are actually the absolute antidote to the European Super League. Exactly everything right. So uh, with that being said, All right, very quickly, Jimmy, give me your betting tips and prediction, and then I'll go to JJ.
2: So William Hill, coin flip time, everybody. Plus 150 for Atalanta to win. Straight up, they are the slight favorites. Uh, Plus 240 is the draw. Plus 170 for Juve. I've never seen this before on William Hill, where both teams to score and the draw is the favorite line at plus 300. I'm going to go with another draw in a cup final. I think that's what's going to happen. I think Juve will have enough uh, to, to... and then from there i don't know uh what's going to happen obviously anything can and will happen probably in extra time if they even have extra time and go to penalties and uh i like that line a lot and there are some plus 550 if you pick either one of those teams to go, go down a goal and come back to get the draw or win is plus 550 so those are good lines to look at as well
1: no i love it all right well give me your prediction before i go to jj
2: i'll say i'll say 1-1 one, one. i think it's going to be a little tighter than, than people expect.
1: And then it goes into extra time or do we go to PKs here as well in Italy? Do, do I'll go no
2: penalties to? and I want Atalanta to win. I'm going with my heart there. It's not always the best thing when you're, but I, it doesn't matter at that point because I already picked the draw. So yeah, I'll say Atalanta to win. Yeah. JJ, what do you think?
3: You know what? I'm going to go for ultimate Juve heartbreak and I'm going to say it's 1-1 up until the death and Atalanta win it right at the end. (laughs)
1: 2-1. I like it. I like it. You know what? I'm also going Atalanta, but I'm going to go all out Atalanta. They're going to go 3-1. They're just going to destroy Juventus. They want this trophy and they want to show them why. You know, money and everything else doesn't always talk. It's all about heart and passion. I hope. We might be wrong, but... (laughs) Plus
2: 360, plus 360, Atalanta win. Both teams to score.
1: Well, wouldn't that be something, huh? It would be incredible. Absolutely amazing. Well, listen, everybody. That was the end of our show. Final thoughts from both of these gentlemen. JJ, I'll go with you
3: first. Final thoughts uh, before we say goodbye. Well, Jimmy mentioned the possibility of Zidane to Juve earlier. So I guess we'll finish on that. I think it's a really, really interesting summer for for Zinedine Zidane. It sounds like he's going to be leaving Real Madrid, but we've also discussed how much pressure Didier Deschamps is going to be under if the Benzema return fails. Now, I think it it wouldn't surprise me to see Zidane pitch up uh, in Turin uh, and take over as Juve coach. It definitely seems like there's going to be an opening there. But I do wonder depending on how the Euro pans out, if there might also be an opening for the French national team as well. And I wonder if Zidane might be best served by trying to stall as long as possible and just see what happens uh, over the summer. You know, I think Juve is probably the more likely destination at this moment in time. But, you know, I do think that he's definitely the guy that France would want to take over from Deschamps whenever that day comes. Uh, you know, it is it is likely that Deschamps would stay in charge for the 2022 World Cup. But if France were to bomb in the Euros, we've already discussed the, you know, the sort of fallout that would probably come with that, uh, you know, because of the, the Benzema selection issues. So for me, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see where Zidane ends up uh, for next season. It could well be Turin, but it also could be with Les Bleus.
1: Yep. A very interesting narrative as well. Jimmy, final thoughts.
2: Yeah. I just want to give a shout out to the Columbus crew because they did change their logo to be the Columbus soccer club. And that was it. And they dropped the crew. Everybody knows the crew. They had a hashtag called save the crew when the, the team was going to be moved from Columbus to Austin. The club did end up getting saved. That had 8 billion impressions. Hashtag save the crew, 8 billion impressions. And they decided as a club, they didn't want to have crew associated with it. That's That's crazy to me. But after a week of just getting pissed on by everybody, including their own fans, They're bringing it back. Columbus crew is coming back and I'm here for it. i got my Jersey on right now. Let's go crew.
1: (laughs) I love it. My only final thought is something that JJ brought up. We'll probably talk about it, uh, this weekend, but, uh, La Liga, by the way, the matches are on Saturday because of Eurovision. Eurovision takes note (laughs) of anything.
3: (laughs) Guys, there, there is one other thing we need to mention and that's Slutsky back doing his thing again dancing singing I, I don't know if you guys if, if any of you listening have seen Ruben Kazan's celebration of qualifying for the oh, Europa did Conference it again? If, you, if you haven't you've got to check it out it's incredible he did you know, it again. just continue, continues to deliver and one final thought it, you know it, it seems like we're so in sync today Jimmy mentioning Columbus Crew final link with uh, Columbus Crew, Zinedine Zidane everything that we've chatted to International Champions Cup a few years back. I was sent to Columbus in a, on a former a former work mission. And who did I bump into in the stairwell in the Columbus Crew Stadium going to the press conference? None other than Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> Can you imagine
1: <laughs> if Zidane be, comes to MLS? That would be kind of fun, huh?
2: <laughs> he's too cool he's way too cool wow that'd be amazing Zidane and MLS I'm here for it. he'd go to Inter Miami though I think
1: yeah that's true uh yeah. that that would be incredible though all right well Jonathan Johnson thank you so much brother
3: thanks a lot guys always a pleasure and looking forward to the next time Jimmy Conrad thank you man
2: love you guys thanks for listening
1: everybody i want to thank uh, jimmy conrad and jonathan johnson for joining me today don't forget to follow us on twitter listen to us on apple podcast spotify stitcher watch us on youtube as well and we're on cbs sports and your cbs sports app have a great great rest of your day